So today we're continuing our series called Gone Fishing. It's a couple of weeks that we've been into this already, and this is our third sermon in it. And, and basically we're talking about reaching the lost. And the, the topic today is called the bait and hook. We don't just need bait. We, have, we need a hook. You ever try to fish without a hook? You're going to get the nibbles, but you're not going to catch any fish. you got to have the hook. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, to get started, anybody ever hear, does, does anybody here know what chumming is? Yeah? Chumming, this is, there's no delicate way to put this. It's basically taking the bad bait, and some of the guides, if you get on a guide boat, they've got a blender there. So if you would imagine with me taking bad bait and blending it, just chopping it up. I know that's disgusting. And then they dump it over the boat and they chum. And what does that do? It's supposed to draw the fish in so that you can catch a bunch of fish. You know, humans can be chummed. And, and, and we can throw out chum, and if you come, you know, we could say stuff like, if you come this Sunday, you're going to be in a drawing for a new pellet grill. <laughs> what are we doing? We're chumming, bringing people in, and we're not buying a grill right now, okay? <laughs> or this Sunday, you come, and we're going to have a special celebrity here, and they're going to sing for you, or they're going to preach for you, or they're just going to be a celebrity and look at you. What, what's that doing? It's chumming, trying to get people to come, right? And chumming is effective to draw a crowd. And here's the reality. Anybody can draw a crowd if you get the right thing that would draw a crowd. You chum people in and they come in as a crowd. The problem really isn't whether or not you can draw the fish in. The problem is whether or not you can actually catch the fish if you actually have a hook out there with bait on it. Will you catch a fish and will you catch a keeper? And that's what we need to focus on when it comes to our lives and evangelism. And that's what we need to focus on with our church as well. To catch a keeper, you have to do more than just chum. you got to put the bait out there with a hook in it. And it's important. And we have to be careful chumming, crowd gathering. We've got to be careful with that, where people come out and it's, it would be easy for us to have a church that's just based on a bunch of chumming, where people just come in and they just hang out. Wow, this is cool. This is awesome. We like the music. We like the coffee. We like everything about it. Oh, it's got a vibe to it, you know? And if we have a bunch of people come in and it's just a bunch of chum that we're throwing out all of the time without a hook, it's a problem, isn't it? It's not really a church. It's a gathering. It's a social club. But where's the church? So we can fill up the church by having amazing music, celebrities, and chum the fish week after week. But is anybody getting caught? That's the question. But at the same time, is it wrong, morally wrong to chum? Well, Jesus did some chumming, didn't he? So it's not morally wrong to do chumming. But John recorded the story of Jesus' thoughts on this. And, and Jesus knew that chumming without catching the fish, though, was a problem. 
Because in John chapter 6, we see that Jesus drew a large crowd, a huge crowd. And y'all, if, if you've been here, you've heard me preach on this, but this is so important to us. And, it was, and the crowd was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and Jesus fed thousands of people. What was he doing? He was chumming them. He fed thousands and thousands of people with just a few fish and a couple of pieces of bread. He performed miracles and signs and wonders. The crowd was just gathering and gathering and gathering. It was getting bigger and bigger. And listen, you can see Jesus' frustration in this story when you read it. And he realizes that he's just got a bunch of people, a bunch of fish that have come in to eat. And, and he's, he's not got any hooks out there. And it's frustrating him. The disciples were so excited. They're like, man, this is awesome. The ministry is growing. This is so exciting. Wow, this is so great. Jesus, can you believe we've got this massive crowd coming? There was electricity in the air. Everybody was excited, waiting to see what Jesus would do next. People were ready to make him their king. People were so excited about Jesus. And, and Jesus stood up in this huge crowd, and he started talking. And suddenly he comes to this place where he says, Okay, folks, whoever will eat my flesh and drink my blood gets to see the kingdom of God. Who's first? What? That's disgusting. Did I just hear him right? <laughs> did he say, excuse me, did he say, eat his flesh and drink his blood? Yeah, that's what he said. Oh, I knew there was something going on here. This guy's whacked out. And Jesus said this in John 6, 55, For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Oh my goodness, that sounds crazy. And look what it says. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? He looked to the disciples and he said, You guys want to go too? Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I, look, I have, not, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. Jesus was really ticked off at this moment. All these people had followed him. And all of these people had come in and he says one thing that they don't understand of course, it was pretty severe. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. But what was Jesus doing? He was saying, look, I'm not here just for a crowd. I'm here to catch fish. I'm here to catch people and clean them and get them into a new life. And none of these people are interested in that. Are you following me? So chumming is okay, but it better not be long term. Because Jesus weeded it out and he said, look, if you don't want to come and have a relationship with me and love me, even if I say something wrong. You see, the school of fish left. And Jesus just let them go. Why? Because they weren't there to take the hook and he knew it wasn't healthy. So the temptation in your fishing for Christ, in your expeditions of fishing, the temptation is for you to just try to chum people. 
And if you're working on somebody to help them come to Christ, and you're just throwing good bait out there, you're just throwing stuff out there without a hook, you're throwing all the goodness of God and the favor of God and the blessings of God and all of that without helping them to understand that there is a hook and the hook actually does hurt. But if you'll let Jesus catch you, there might be some pain involved in that, but your life is going to come together. And that's the reality of this. Are you following me? You got to you got to be honest with them and tell them, look, yeah, the, the, there's an enemy that wants to destroy you and wants to take you out. And as soon as you let Jesus hook you, that enemy is going to try to come against you. How many of you have experienced that? You see, there's reality in this. And here's what we tend to do, too, when we're trying to help somebody come to Christ. You know, when you stop and think about it, the disciples they were like, whoa, 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 what is Jesus saying? He's not performing the way we want him to perform. He's got the largest crowd we've ever had, and he's not performing the way that we want him to perform. And if you start chumming somebody up and start telling them how Jesus is going to perform, and then he doesn't perform the way you want him to perform, how frustrating is that? He doesn't answer the prayer the way that you expect him or want him to answer the prayer. It's so frustrating for you in that moment. So you've got to teach people and help people to understand as you're reaching them and trying to hook them for Christ that it is a hook. There is a reason for them to come to Christ and it is, it is good. But yes, it's going to hurt at some level and it's going to be difficult at some level. And this is something that is a lifelong commitment that they need to make. But here's the thing, you also need to help them to understand. God doesn't settle for big crowds. God is looking for the individual. And as a church family, we've got to be careful that we're not going to settle for the big crowds. We're not just trying to chum people in. We want to find the individual. And here's the beauty of that. You're that individual. And that's who Jesus wants to reach, you. And he wants to reach people like you. Every one of you matter. You're not just a number. You're not just somebody that happens to come in and just hangs out. How many of you were welcomed into this church? That's 100%. Well, Mark wasn't. Is that or he's... Is your left arm numb? Right arm numb? There you go. 100% of you were welcomed. Why? Because you're an individual. And this church family sees you as such. You've got your pain. You've got your struggle. You've got your difficulties. You've got your talents. You've got your abilities and your gifts. And you've got your good successes. You've got all the things in your life. And we recognize that. We see you as an individual that Jesus loves and he cares about you. And God forbid we ever get too big to recognize that. And if you're listening to this today, you need to know that God is coming after you. And God loves you way more than you could ever imagine. And he wants you.
And somehow his love capacity is so huge that you are an individual in his life unlike any other individual that's ever existed in this world and ever will exist. You are. And he would rather show up to church with one sinner ready to love him than a church with 100,000 sinners who just enjoy the music and the show. Should I say that again? He would rather show up to a church with one sinner that's ready to listen to him and love him than one with 100,000 that are just there for the music and the show. And if you're that one, he'd rather spend time with you than anybody else. So when it comes to going fishing, your job is to use the right bait and the right hook. Use bait, but also use a hook. Some, you know, some, some bait will catch a crappie. Some bait will catch a catfish. Some bait will catch a bass. And another bait will catch all three of them. We've had that happen on the same day, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. Other than they're all hitting the same bait. And here's what you need to know about sharing the gospel. The right bait... The gospel will cause somebody to bite it and want it. But that same bait will also repel somebody else. And using the right bait and a hook is necessary for that one that's ready to bite. We had a guy one time that started coming to the church because his wife started coming to the church. Anybody ever do that? Don't raise your hand. You're not going (laughs) to. And uh, anyway, so he wanted to have lunch. So I met with him and he said, look, I don't I don't have any interest in knowing Jesus or any of that stuff in the church. But I would like to start a Boy Scouts program. And and if you guys are interested in that, we'll do that in the church and I'll I'll lead it. I'll take care of it. What? Okay. Yeah. It's sinking in, right? If we did it, we'd definitely do a background check on that one, right? (laughs) So knowing that he didn't want to have anything, what is he saying? I'm not here to take the hook, but I like the bait. I think it's fun, and he actually told me, I enjoy coming to the church, I enjoy being a part of the church, and I'm watching my wife, and she's enjoying it, but I don't want anything to do. I'm not going to take the hook. At least he was honest about it. But obviously, my answer was no. And when he said, when I said, no, we're not going to start a Boy Scouts program because you're not even interested in knowing Jesus. And that's what you mean to tell me you're exclusive. Yes. When it comes to whether or not you know Jesus, we're exclusive, especially when it comes to teaching our kids. So the book of Acts is full of stories, right? If you've never read the book of Acts, I would encourage you to read it. It's full of stories about the New Testament people, the believers, the disciples. That It's the linking book between Jesus and the church. And, the, and it's that book that tells us how we got from Jesus' ministry to what we're experiencing this morning, the church. And so the disciples, they started building churches. They started growing churches and started churches. And, and it wasn't just them. It was the, the, the people that they... They won to Christ, started doing these things. 
And in Acts chapter 6, it was kind of interesting because they were at a moment in the church that was a struggle. You ever seen conflict? Anytime you have people together, it's conflict, right? And in Acts chapter 6, they talk about this conflict that was happening in the church, and it was kind of racist situation. It was the Greeks versus the, the, the Jewish people, right? And the Jewish people, what was happening was they were, they were passing out um, bread and stuff. They were passing out food every morning because the people were poor. And so what was happening was they would, the people would line up, and the Greek people weren't getting served food to be able to sustain themselves like the Jews were. That's a problem. And so conflict arose when the Greeks said, hey, we have a problem with this. We don't understand. Why is this happening? These people are just as hungry as these. Aren't we the body of Christ? Why aren't we serving? Can you imagine if we did that kind of thing? It'd be horrible. Don't even want to imagine it. You know, we have a pizza party and we're like, don't think you're going to serve you. That'd be horrible. We are one. If you're a part of this body, we don't care where you come from and what your color is and what your history is. We don't care about any of that. And you know, it's crazy. And so we're so grateful for that, aren't we? We're so grateful for that. But the Greeks rose up and they were complaining. And what did the disciples do? They were like, okay, we need to spend time studying and taking care of the word of God and getting things right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to send people out to take care of this. And so they chose from among them some guys that they called deacons to go out and fix the mess. And the beauty of this story is these were just regular dudes. These were guys like Chad. And these were guys like Mark that couldn't raise their hands. And <clears throat> just regular guys, all right? And one of the guys' names was Stephen. And Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, the very next chapter, Stephen, this regular guy, is out there. And he's telling people about Jesus. So here they were supposed to be fixing this problem. But man, they were so excited about Jesus. They went out and they actually started telling people about him. Well, Stephen ended up getting stoned to death right there in the next very next chapter. It's an awesome, awesome story if you haven't read it. Then we go to the next chapter. And there's a guy that you probably haven't even heard of. You've heard of the disciples. Philip, but this is a different guy. This is a guy that was chosen in Acts chapter 6, just a regular dude, all right? And this guy, the whole chapter talks about his, his adventures there. So Philip, this, this guy that was chosen from in the church, went to a place called Samaria. You've heard of Samaria, the Samaritan woman that Jesus talked to. Well, he went to Samaria and he started telling people about Jesus. And in Samaria, there was a local celebrity. This guy, he was the, 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 the David Copperfield, Chris Angel of the day. And he, would, he was a magician, a sorcerer, and he was, and, and it's funny because Scripture describes, and it points this out, it, Scripture is really funny when you read into it. He, he, he pointed out, it says this, that he was a self-proclaimed celebrity. <laughs> Can you imagine how he introduced himself? He's like, hello, Philip. I'm a pretty big deal around here. <laughs> self-proclaimed celebrity. This guy heard the message and he responded to it. And the scripture says that he even got baptized 
And he started following Philip everywhere Philip went. He was watching everything that Philip was doing. Well, Philip sent word to Jerusalem that, that, hey, the church is growing here. Jesus is doing some great things here. This is awesome. This is after Jesus' resurrection. But, you know, Jesus was doing stuff through him. It's pretty awesome. And people were getting healed and delivered from demons. And, and all kinds of great stuff was happening. And so, so the, 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 the disciples back in Jerusalem, they sent Peter and John to join Philip just to make sure that he had all the support that he needed. And so I want to actually read the story. Some of it is just um, basically what I've already read but, or what I've already said. But I want you to see that what I've said already is actually in Scripture, right? I'm not making this stuff up. It's just that fun. All right, so for some time, a man named Simon had lived there and had amazed the people of Samaria. He practiced witchcraft and claimed to be somebody great. Everyone, rich and poor, crowded around him. They said, this man is the power of God, called the great power. For a long time, Simon had used witchcraft to amaze the people, and they kept crowding around him. But when they believed that what Philip was saying about God's kingdom and about the name of Jesus Christ, they were all baptized. Even Simon believed and was baptized. He stayed close to Philip because he marveled at all the miracles and wonders. The apostles in Jerusalem heard that some people in Samaria had accepted God's message, and they sent Peter and John. When the two apostles arrived, they prayed that these people would, have been, would be given the Holy Spirit. All right, So if, if you understand what they're talking about here, this is beyond getting saved. This is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 2. It's an absolutely amazing experience, and it's available for you today. And it says, before this, the Holy Spirit had not been given to any of them, though some of them had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right, so there's three baptisms. The baptism in Jesus, which is when you get saved. And this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It comes after that if you accept it. If you want it, you can receive it. And it's an empowerment type situation. But more than that, it's it's an intimate type situation. And then, of course, there's the baptism in water, which is very important. It's symbolic, all right? It doesn't mean that you... It doesn't mean that that's what gets you saved. It's just a symbolic thing to communicate to the world, to friends, family. Hey, that was the old me. This is the new me. I want you to remember me from this day forward. All right, so that's baptism in water. So Peter and John, this is cool, verse 17. Peter and John then placed their hands on everyone who had faith in the Lord, and they were given the Holy Spirit. Simon noticed that the Spirit was given only when the apostles placed their hands on the people. Don't let that distract you. It doesn't have to be laying on of hands for that, all right? It's just the the experience in that specific moment. So he, this is beautiful, horribly beautiful. So he brought money and said to Peter and John, let me have this power too. Then anyone I place hands on will also be given the Holy Spirit. Peter said to him, you and your money will both end up in hell if you think you can buy God's gift. You don't have any part in this, and God sees that your heart isn't right. Get rid of these evil thoughts and ask God to forgive you. I can see that you're jealous and bound by your evil ways. Simon said, please pray to the Lord so that, you, so that what you said won't happen to me. All right. So immediately, thankfully, he humbled himself, didn't he? And it's so important for you to know that God isn't into being a showman for people. God isn't into being a showman for people. 
Yes, Jesus chummed the waters. But when it came down to it, he made it very clear, I'm in it for the individual. I'm in it for that relationship with people. All right? Simon liked the bait. He loved it. It was more power than he had ever pretended to have. And he wanted it. And it's obvious, though, that he wasn't interested in taking the hook. He just liked the bait. And it looked like he had taken the hook. He'd even been baptized. Interesting, huh? Never forget. Fishing without a hook is useless. And when you're talking to people about Jesus, have the hook. Let them know this is real. This is serious. This is a relationship. It's not just about the goodness and blessings. It's about a relationship. And in that come long-term goodness and blessings. Are you following me? From time to time, we have people who come to the church that they like the bait, they like the music, they like the fellowship, they like the camaraderie ship, they like the fact that they feel welcomed. They like all of those things, but if they don't take the hook, the entire purpose of us being here gets skewed in their minds as to what we're doing and why we're trying to accomplish something. I remember a couple of guys that, um, listen, we have a lot of fun, don't we? We have a lot of fun, but, but there is a very serious side to what we do. Very serious. Your eternal life is at stake, and others is too. And if you don't get that serious side and understand it, you're going to misunderstand why we're here. You're going to want us to just come in and give you a shot every Sunday to encourage you and to bless you. And listen, we try to do that, don't we? But there's the hook to make sure that you're right with God, to make sure that you're on track to moving forward in your relationship with God. That's reality. And it better be reality. Are you with me? So we have a lot of fun, but there's the serious side and and, and there's something unbalanced if we don't have fun, too, with it, right? We want to have the, the balance of the fun and the serious, and that's just balance, and, and that's good. But one time I had a couple of guys that were trying to tell me that I was too serious. And I was trying to teach, some, teach the church family that, hey, getting up in the middle of service or going to the restroom when it comes time for the altar time, that can be a, a distraction. And I would just simply have a little thing on, this, on the screen that says, if possible, please use the restroom beforehand. It's not trying to be legalistic. Listen, I understand if you got to go in the middle of service, and I prefer that you do if you really got to go. But just trying to say, Hey, think about it before service, if you can, right? Think about it. And, uh, and that way we don't interrupt service. Well, these guys were telling me, man, you're just too serious, John, asking people to do that. And I got up one time in the middle of service, and I just felt so horrible about myself because I don't want anybody to feel bad about it. I'm just trying to say what we're doing here is very serious. And, and the real issue, and I didn't get into this because I don't like to point fingers at people, but was their kids were the problems <laughs> and trying to communicate, trying to teach There's serious things happening. 
And so sitting down with him, I said, I said, look, you guys have to understand. You have no idea what's going on in these people's hearts when I'm, when I'm preaching. And at the end of sermons, especially when it comes time for a decision, as soon as we bow our heads and all of a sudden there's commotion and people leaving for no reason, it, it's distracting. And there might be somebody in the church that day that is looking for the hope that God wants to give them. And suddenly that distraction happens and it's gone. Are you guys reading me? And here was the response. <laughs> You're putting way too much into that. What? Yeah. Now, knowing this is serious business, if you're able to sense that, and if you're able to recognize that this is about life change in our relationship with God, then you've taken the hook. You've taken the hook. And the reason we can laugh and enjoy and have fun is because we took the hook. And we can relax in the grace and mercy of God and enjoy our time together. Amen? What happened with these guys? Why did things go down like this? And it was more. They had a list of things that I was way too intense about. We asked people to, to have, we asked our ushers, or our greeters to have breath mints on Sunday. That was very offensive to them. They told me that HR at businesses would have fired me for telling people that, hey, bring some breath mints if you're going to greet on Sunday morning. What? Okay, so here's, here's the point. If you want to find something, you're going to find it. And let me tell you this. We can spot crazy a mile away. <laughs> and we'll call you on it. Because why? Because there's a serious side to this. There's a very serious side to this. And if you're finding that to be upset, then you have some spiritual issues going on. And I'm not your answer. Jesus is. And when you stand before him, you'll realize why John was serious at times. Here's the truth. They liked the debate. They enjoyed coming. In fact, they told me that we don't need to start service on time. That if we could just come in and enjoy one another, what were they saying? We're here for the fellowship. We're here just to get to know each other. And we just want to be a social thing. Well, it's, it's just way too serious, John. That's bait. You see, the situation with Simon didn't go well. These guys confronted Simon. And they said, man, you are in danger of hell. And fortunately, Simon was repentant. 
And unfortunately, these guys weren't. We got the elders together. One of the guys showed up to face the elders. The other one wouldn't. And it's so important for you to know that we take your soul seriously. And that's why I do my best to say hi to you before church and after church. You matter. Don't ever forget it. And let's show one another that that's the truth. When you go fishing, not everyone is going to take the hook, but it's your responsibility to use one. And the hook is the serious part. The bait is, oh, I'm a worm. Don't I look good? Take me. But the hook, that's the serious part. And we got to have it. I want to read this next story to you. It's so amazing how God used Philip, this ordinary guy. Have you ever wanted to be teleported someplace? Wouldn't that be awesome? Did you know that it's in the scripture that God could teleport somebody? It's in there a few times, but this is one of the times. The, angel, the Lord's angel said to Philip, go south along the desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip left. All right, so Philip, this regular dude, God speaks to him and says, I want you to go to this certain place. So Philip left and he went there. An important Ethiopian official happened to be going along that road in his chariot. He was the chief treasurer for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The official had gone to Jerusalem to worship. This was fairly normal for the Ethiopians to travel to Jerusalem and was now on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip to catch up with the chariot. Philip ran up close and heard the man reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> can you understand what you're reading? <laughs> the official answered, how can I understand unless someone helps me? He then invited Philip to come up in and sit down beside him. The man was reading this passage. He was led like a sheep on its way to be killed. He was silent as a lamb whose wool is being cut off, and he did not say a word. He was treated like a nobody and did, no, did not receive a fair trial. How can he have children if his life is snatched away? All right, so who are, who's that scripture talking about? That was written like 700 years before this man read it, before Jesus was even born. And that's what Jesus did, right? He was led like a sheep to be killed. The official said to Philip, tell me, was the prophet Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began at this place in the scriptures and began to explain the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to a place where there was some water. The official said, look, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. Then both of them went down into the water and Philip baptized him. After they had come up out of the water, the Lord's Spirit took Philip away. The official never saw him again, but he was very happy as he went on his way. Philip later appeared in Azotus. He went from town to town all the way to Caesarea telling people about Jesus. 
All right, so can you imagine, wouldn't it be awesome, Sam, if this afternoon, all of a sudden, after I lift you up out of the water, John's gone and I'm sitting in a restaurant? That would be awesome. But that's, that's what happened. He just, poof, he was gone. So James David, would you come? Late Friday night, I received a call from Sam. And I said, hey, Sam, are you okay? You know, when I get a call late at night, I'm concerned. Something's going on. And um, he paused for way too long. <laughs> but then I understood. He was a little emotional. And he said, I need to get baptized. I said, well, man, yeah, we're going to get that on the calendar because it's getting warm outside. <laughs> and we'll be able to do that. He said, no, I need to get baptized Sunday. I said, okay, what's your plan? He said, well, I know exactly where I need to go. I said, okay, where's that? And he told me about this little place just off the dam of Ray Roberts. I've never been there, but I trust him. It's going to have enough water, and we're going to put him under today and, and bring him back up. We'll bring him back up. <laughs> but God is doing something in this man's life. And he wants to do it in every one of our lives. And you better believe God has a lot of fun in his life. He's got to live forever, so he's going to have fun. But you better believe he's very serious when it comes to making sure you're saved and you're okay and that every fish he can catch, he's going to catch. And you better believe that he has a hook and he wants you to jump on it and he wants you to help others to jump on that hook and be caught. Why? Sam, is there a better time in your life than now? That's why. Because not everything's perfect. He's been through a lot of heartache and struggle. But what Jesus has done inside of him has changed his life. And Jenny is so grateful. <laughs> Have you let him catch you? Really catch you? A sign that you haven't is you find any little reason to be upset with the church or people at the church. You're looking for reasons to leave. You wish your wife or your husband hadn't forced you to come. Listen, it, all of that means that you've taken some of the bait, but you've yet to let the hook sink in and let Jesus reel you in. Have you let him catch you? Really? Would you bow your heads? Would you let him? Jesus, I want you in my life. And I want my life to be, be yours, to belong to you. 
Catch me. Reel me in. I ask you to come live inside of me. Change me for your goodness in my life to begin to shine through. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I truly want to be a child of God. Jesus' name. Now let's pray for your fishing endeavors. God, we pray that you would help us to be faithful and true to who you are. We thank you that you take our salvation so serious. What you did on the cross, Jesus, was not overkill. It was you showing us what it looked like, what you're willing to go through to have a relationship with us, and it was very serious. And you're willing to do that. You were willing to do that for every person on this planet. And we ask you to help us to reach the lost, to go fishing. And God, we will remember how important it is to have the hook. That you may actually catch them. And as our church grows, we commit to you. That sure, just like you, Jesus... We'll throw some chum out there at times. But we will stay true as you did, Jesus, to making sure people understand there's a hook. And that they need to be caught by you. Help us to be faithful and true to that. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're doing in each and every person's life here. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.